The Deviation Podcast. Welcome to the Deviation Podcast. My name is Paige, and as usual, I'm very excited to say that today I have Billy Haley with me, who is kind of a big deal. Um, so he's a triathlete, ultra runner, EMT, scuba rescue driver, diver, excuse me. He went to ranger school. He's a special forces operator. He speaks French, Spanish, and obviously English. He's the owner of Rescue Reflex. And um, he's actually still serving as a special operations medic, and he's about to start physician's assistant school. So you understand why he's a big deal now. Um, anyways, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, so really, I would just kind of like to hear how it is that you've become who you are today. Like where did, if we could start from the beginning. Sure, absolutely. Well, if you want to start from the beginning, beginning, um, and this, this is actually pretty significant of, because of certain things, I am the person I am today. And um, one of those huge impacts in my life was um, the fact I was very sick as a child. Uh, you know, like the whole boy in the bubble thing. Really? Like that was me. Like I lived in a plastic tent for a while and, and uh, you know, no human contact and all this stuff. So I was very, very sick as a kid. How old um, were you? Oh man, you know, um, newborn through, um, I don't know, two to three years old, something like that, maybe something like that. Um, you know, enough to have memories of it, you know, young, it started when I was a newborn and then grew up and, and certainly have memories of being in the plastic tent and looking through the window at like, uh, there was a park right outside the hospital room. And I would always look through there and I remember seeing kids playing in the park and it's something I always wanted to do. And uh, one of the things that I think really affected me um, and how I, how I live and, and how I think is I distinctly remember one of the doctors explaining to my, to my mother that, you know, I, I'm never going to be one of those kids and I'm not going to be able to play outside and all these things. Um, so... You know, and and so I think that started this whole mindset thing for me. I think that's really what set it off. Because even being that tiny little little kid, I just I couldn't accept that. I was just like, no, no, I can't. No way! It looks so cool. The grass is so green. The sky's so blue. And look how much fun they're having in the sunshine and all this stuff. So I couldn't imagine not being able to do that. So that's kind of what kick the whole, like I said, mindset and, and uh, um, achieving things and goals and stuff like that. I think that's where it all started. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So how did, I mean, to go from a start like that to then, like, being, going through ranger school and being special opera, like that. It's, it is actually, I even think about it from time to time, not so much in depth, but it does catch me periodically, like, man, this is crazy. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, so yeah. So I was very, very unhealthy as a child. Like I said, I spent 
a, a tremendous amount of time in the hospital and in the plastic tent and all this. And um, as I was growing older, um, I started, my health started improving, but you know, I would leave the hospital, go home with my mother and spend two weeks to two months at the house before something would happen. I'd try and, I'd try and die on my mom again. You know what I mean? Like she'd find me blue and have to run, run me up to the hospital. And then I'd be in the hospital again for who knows how long. And then, so that went on for a while, but it did get better and better and better. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I guess, um, through, so that was, that was definitely my childhood is very unhealthy. And then through adolescence, um, I started, um, doing more and more, uh, I guess, skateboarding. Well, not, I guess, skateboarding. I did a lot of skateboarding, you know, um, my, my folks divorced when I was very young. Um, so I came from a broken home, and I, but I was so young. I was like two or three and I don't remember it that much, but I kind of remember it being volatile, not violent so much, but just kind of. I think it was a, I think it was a tough split for my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, but so my mom was always working, always. And to this day, I, my mom is just a superhero. She's an absolute superhero. I don't know how she did it. It was my brother and myself. I was either sick and in the hospital, or um, and I still carry some guilt for this. Uh, I was I just I was just a bad kid. I was very rebellious. I was just a real jerk, like a total jerk. Um, and, and even, even now I'm like, how do you still like me? You know? <laughs> well, I mean, like, I hate to go all psychological on you, but it kind of makes sense. Like you had no control over the fact that you were so sick. You saw these kids doing exactly what you wanted to be doing. Like it would make sense if you were a little pissed off that like <laughs> that wasn't possible at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And going back there, it's, it's interesting. So through all these treatments and being so sick as a kid, um, and this, this directly re- relates to mindset and, and my mentality is I was always being poked and prodded and needles and this and that, you know, as a kid with all this, the treatments and the testing and all this. Well, I started going into like my mom called it my incredible Hulk face, right? Like, cause we were kids and that's, so I get this kind of just distant look in my face, apparently, um, and I would just check out so, because of, I think just with all the pain and the poking, like I said, the poking and the prodding and all this stuff, I would just check out and just let the doctors and nurses do whatever they do. And so much so they diagnosed me with autism. And my mom was like, no, man, my, my son, he does not have autism. He's, I don't know what's going on, but he is not that. And so, um, there were certain issues with, certain issues with me sending me to school because they're like, no, he's got autism because I I would just totally check out and be like catatonic when these things were going on, you know? And, uh, my mom pressed and went to school like a normal kid and everything. And so, so she was probably like, see, I told you so. But, um, I think even, I think that that also started the thing is just the mind over matter. Like I'm such a mind over matter individual. I have, I put so much stock in it. I believe in that so much. Um, you know, we can start talking about ultra running and, and the ranger experience and certainly in kind of special forces stuff, but oh, yeah. it's, it's a mental, you know, it's your mental capacity that 
that's everything. It's everything. You oh, know yeah, I mean? absolutely. So. So how did you... Okay, so at this point, you're in school, and you're proving your mother right that you aren't, in fact, autistic. And how old are you now? Um, you know, I don't know. Seven, seven through ten, you know. Okay. Going to school, normal, mm-hmm. you know. Childhood, starting to get into adolescence, stuff like that. Um, not autistic, but did horrible in school because something, I think something stuck with being in the hospital and being locked away. Uh, all I did was stare out the window. All I wanted to do was be outside when I was in school, you know, and I think today, and we won't get into the whole labeling ADHD and everything, but I think, I think, you know, especially young boys, they just, they're, they're rowdy. We're rowdy and they want to be outside. And that's how I was times 10, you know, like that's all I cared about. And um, circling back around, got into skateboarding at an early age. And I think a big part of that is at the time, skateboarding back then wasn't what it is today. It wasn't Tony Hawk and X Games. It was very antisocial. It was very, um, it went hand in hand with like punk rock, you know, and, and stuff like that. So it's, that's kind of what I got into. You know, I was an angry kid and textbook case with broken home and going down the wrong path and stuff. So got into skateboarding because it was antisocial and kids that were older than me and were probably a bad influence were skateboarding and started hanging out with, with those guys. Um, but the difference was some of the dudes that the older guys that got me into skateboarding went on and started doing drugs and stuff like that. Well, luckily skateboarding like was, I love skateboarding so much that I didn't want to go do drugs. I just wanted to keep skateboarding, you know, and then that's all I did. And, you know, ended up, you know, being pretty successful with that. Um, but that what is, what does that mean though? Um, I had some help, like, um, you know, there was a, a company out of Sioux Falls that gave me some sponsor sponsorship help and floated me free stuff. And there was a, a place actually here in Salt Lake city way back in the day that would, um, give me some free stuff and stuff like that. So I, I had some help, you know, That's awesome. so, like, and, and back then it was cool. You know, you oh, go yeah. do a demo or something in a different city and it's like, Oh, this is cool. You know, so. a demo in a different city. So you were, you were like really, really good. <laughs> That's um, cool. yeah, I could get by now again, it's, it's nothing like today. And I was certainly not ever the Tony Hawk, you know, it was just maybe a little local fame and some, some free stuff from some companies, you know, like, I'm definitely not going to claim like, oh, I was like Tony Hawk because I wasn't, you know, but, um, but yeah, I, I could get, I could, I could get by pretty well. Yeah. All right. Did your brother get into that too? Or did he go down a different route? He, it's funny. He started skateboarding before I did. Um, and you, and you have to know my brother. My brother is the coolest dude. I put him on the, such a pedestal. He's, he's an amazing human being. Um, but he's always been very straight and narrow. The straight A student, he's actually a, radiation oncologist right now so like this tiny little field like the dude's just so smart so smart he's a cool dude um but he was always very straight and narrow so he started doing it and then i we kind of skated it seemed like maybe just for a couple weeks and then he was over it and then i kept i kept going so he did actually he was a skateboarder for like two weeks to a month that's awesome um so so then okay so now you're getting really into skateboarding and how old are you by the time like you're doing demos in different cities and things like that? Um, late teens, 
Late, late teens into like early twenties. Okay. Yeah. And then like had school, like had you, I'm assuming you had stopped getting so sick at that point or how were you health? Yeah. So I, my health had obviously drastically improved and you know, through adolescence stuff, I would still have massive, um, like, um, immune issues and massive, um, um, asthma attacks and stuff like that, which would crush me, but it kept getting better and better. And it's weird when I was like 14, something like that, maybe 15 around about there. Um, you know, I always carried an, an inhaler, you know, like total Hollywood style, like, you know, you're always taking a puff off that thing. Um, one day I was just like, no, nah, I'm done. I don't have asthma anymore. And I threw everything, I threw all my meds, well, stopped taking my asthma medicine, stopped, you know, threw my inhalers away. And it was weird because it sounds like you can't do that. It's a, it's an actual sickness. It's an illness, but I, I made a conscious decision. Like, no, I'm good. Like I don't have this problem anymore. And it somehow it kind of worked for the most part. Now, occasionally it'll, you know, sneak up on me or whatever. Not so much anymore, but it would back then. But it, Honestly, it was night and day. It was just, just like that. Was there something that like spurred that decision or were you just like tired of all the years of, of it? I'm probably just tired of everything. That's really cool. Yeah. And you know, you're on all these medicines like prednisone and everything. And it, that has a, an effect on a lot of things physiologically. So, and I was just over it, man. Just over it. <laughs> I know. It's super weird. That's No, I just think <laughs> that's awesome. Um, okay. So then... Then shortly after that, did you go to college? You know what? I gave it a whirl after high school. Okay. And I had a, I had a little snafu during high school. I was just a horrible student. I was, all I want to do is go out to other cities and skateboard, you know? And then that didn't do well with school. So I got in a lot of trouble. You know, I, I wasn't, you know, a bad kid other than the fact I just didn't want to be in school. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't go. And then they would be like, all right, you're suspended. So I'm like, so I don't go to school and you're telling me not to come back to school? Like, we got a deal here. You bet. No problem. So I ended up missing so much school that I wasn't allowed to graduate with my class. And at the time, I was like, whatever. I'm off in Denver and Colorado skateboarding. Like, it doesn't matter to me, right? Well, then I was living in Boulder at the time. And I think this is the right timeline. I haven't really thought much about it. But, uh... You know, there was all this thought like, oh, you know, should I, or somebody offered like, you should go get your GED. And I was like, no, man. And and no offense. Like, but this is how I thought back then. GEDs are for dummies. You know, like, I don't, I'm not a dummy. Like, I'm a smart dude. Like, I don't, if I need a high school degree, right? And again, there's nothing wrong with a GED. I've got close friends that graduated and there's nothing wrong with that. But that's how I thought back then. Um... So I was like, nope, move back to, to Sioux City and the school system was like, all right, you need to take these, whatever it was, two or three classes and we'll give you your high school diploma I, deal. You got it. So I ended up graduating, I think one or two years later officially than I was supposed to. I think my graduating class was two years, I guess, before me, something like that. So You still did it though. That's That's... It's good. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, so right after that, I was like, you know, let's, let's give college a try. 
went to the community college there in Iowa, which is where I was born and raised. Um, Why did you want to give college a try? I mean, that's like more school. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's because... I, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking back then. Maybe it's because that's what you do or something like yeah. that, you know? Um, but uh, it didn't go well. <laughs> so, so um, yeah. So I uh, kind of went on and started traveling more and um, loved the West. So, you know, I lived in Colorado, even lived in Utah for a while, New Mexico, Montana, Wyoming, just kind of bounced around for a while. I was living in New Mexico at the time and um, ended up being very successful in cycling as well, you know, doing doing pretty well with racing and and getting a little help with uh, Trek Bicycle Company and stuff like that. They were really good to me. Um, not full-on, wasn't Lance Armstrong, wasn't like full-on being sent all over the world cycling, but they did help me out and good like people. How many miles are we talking race-wise when you said you were cycling? Um I started road cycling, so road road races are typically a lot longer. But then I transitioned living in New Mexico; just was almost natural that mountain biking came in. So, you know, um, you're not going to really ride more than twenty miles in a mountain bike race unless you do what are called marathon races, which are several hours and stuff like that. Um, so that's even on the long side there. So they weren't particularly long, but. Um, Mountain bike racing is a lot different than road racing. Yeah, I've heard it's like, it takes a ton of endurance because you're awesome. going love up those it. hills love that are it. so steep. Yeah, love it. Um, so I was doing really well in cycling um, and loving it, but the, I was kind of being nagged by this thing like, okay, if I keep trying and keep trying, I can go full pro and go down that road. And then, then what happens, you know, two to five years later, that's, that's over on right back where I am now. Or maybe I'll go to college, right? So I was at this fork in the road, so I chose college, moved back to Iowa, enrolled in school and ended up doing um, doing really well. You know, I actually got good grades. I couldn't believe it, man. Like, I had the mindset now, like, I was bummed if I got a B. You know, it was all A's, you know? So whatever happened there, you know, I, it's just taking it seriously, I yeah, guess, you, you know? I mean, you wanted to be there. Yeah, exactly. That's so So cool. when nobody's telling me to do something, <laughs> I'm really good at it. <laughs> if somebody tells me to do something, apparently I, I botch it. <laughs> so what did you, what did you major in in school? Um, so I initially went to the community college and took, man, I don't even know, some, some random courses. Ended up taking my EMT, doing the EMT thing. But then later on went to um, a university there, um, small private one called Morningside College, and majored in English with a minor in education. Because I was like, oh, I'll be a college professor and freaking tell, tell the kids of the world what's really going on. You know what I mean? Um, so did that for a while. And then right towards the end of that program, you know, doing my student teaching and everything, um, on a, on the craziest whim ever, I was enlisted in the service just out of, I mean, so much so people like didn't believe me when I told them they're like, cause it's, it was so not who I was at the time. You know, I was very, um, you know, anti-establishment and still, you know, just, just kind of against the grain kind of guy, you know? Um, so it was the polar opposite of what my whole life was prior to you. Um, why you know, did you do it? Like, what you was know, the thought process it's, behind it? You have all these guys 
you know, enlisting for the most patriotic reasons ever and, and which is great. It's awesome. But that wasn't me to be totally honest. I enlisted. I was like, well, they'll pay off my college and it sounds like an adventure, you know, like I've done so much stuff in this life. You know, back then I thought I came for full circle. Like I've done it all, you know, <laughs> didn't know any better, obviously. Um, so I enlisted and I remember going to the recruiter and he's like, all right, you have to go take the te- you know, ASVAB test and all these entrance exams to the military and come back to the recruiter. He's like, all right, you qualified for any job you want in the army. Okay. I literally didn't know there were different jobs in the army. I didn't really know what the army was. It's so funny to think about now. Um, I was like, Dude, I don't know, just run around in the forest with guns. Like, what do you do? What do you mean a job? And so he takes out the pamphlet and he's like, look, you can be a mechanic or you can be a, you know, cook and, or just, you know, all these, there's a hundred different jobs in the army. And I originally was going to be a mechanic because I was into off-roading at the time and still am, you know, so building Jeeps and building off-road rigs. I was like, yeah, that seems natural. I'll be a mechanic. Sure. Well, the recruiter was like, aren't you a paramedic? I said, well, yeah, I am. He's like, why don't you be a medic? Because it'll save you, you know, you can skip through all this school, army school stuff, which it didn't, <laughs> but, uh, but I was, and I'm, I was just so naive and I was like, okay, okay, you know, just whatever. Sounds good. Sign me up as a medic, you know, went off to boot camp and then. But I have to ask you something sure. about first, like deciding to become an EMT in the first place. Like, why did you go that, that route initially? Um, you know what? I did it with my brother. We both went to EMT school together. And it just kind of sounded cool at the time, I guess. I'm not totally sure why I did it. Um, that's what started that. Okay. And then I went on, and around about the same time, I started, I got my paddy diver certificate or whatever. That's the scuba? The scuba diving, okay. yeah. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And so I was kind of putting everything together, like, oh, medicine, so I'll be a rescue diver. So it all just kind of like started balling up and yeah. just became that. You know, so, so that's kind of how that whole EMT and then now the paramedic started and then, you know, the rescue diver and I, I was like, oh, that sounds cool. You know? Yeah. That sounds really cool. Yeah. Which I think that's how I've lived my entire life. That sounds cool. Let's give it a whirl. <laughs> <laughs> I know? really like that. I think I need to like have more of that mentality. I like, I, I'll think something looks really cool and then I'll like overthink it for, for like a little while. But I should just start going for it. Like, Do it. Know, just go. Just go. That way. Just go. And, I mean, you have nothing to lose, really. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, so. So, you went to, so, you went to boot camp. Now, yep. you're going through boot camp. How was that? It was so crazy. Hated it. I was like, this is, <laughs> well, it was a love-hate. You know, I, I really liked the structure. It is something that I had never had in my life, ever, until boot camp. You know what I mean? Because... Like I said, my mom was doing her best to raise us, but she was always gone. She's trying to keep a roof over over our head, you know. She was she was never around. Of course, my dad wasn't around, um, and so so that obviously was had a big impact. But um, so yeah, but you know, yeah, it's a, it's a boot camp. Like everyone's yelling, and why is everybody freaking out? You know, because I was just kind of pretty laid back, dude. You know, and um, to give you an idea. I literally had to, my hair was um, shorter in years by about six to eight inches. Okay. And it was, in, it was all dreadlocks. So, so to just get, so to, you guys know, my hair goes down to like my hips. 
Yeah. So to give you an idea of the transition, you know, from that to shaving your head to going to boot camp. So I, point being, you know, I was, I hated it, but then there was a certain thing about the structure. I was like, I like this. And then the challenge getting up and going for runs in the morning and you know, all these things that I, it just, after a couple of weeks, I think I started falling in line and it's boot camp. you know, it's, it's a, it's not a brainwashing experience, but they do, they break you down and they build you back up. It's what, it's what they do. Um, and so I don't know if it, I just fell into that or if I just seriously started loving it. Um, so through boot camp and then AIT, which is, that's your MOS, which is your military occupation, occupational specialty. Mine happened to be a medic, so I went to Fort Sam Houston, which where all the combat medics go. Went through that, and it's you know you, it became, I just I just loved it. There was always a challenge. There was always the next level. What's in that? What? Oh, I can go to this school. I can go to that school. I can jump out of planes. I can fast rope out of helicopters. I can go scuba diving. I can like the army was just like man. There's so much cool stuff here, and there was always a challenge and. Like, oh, what's the next level? And through my whole military career, I was very naive, though. I was, Rangers, okay, so what, who are the Rangers? What do they do? Like, okay, let's go down that road. And like, oh. And then I was working with a, uh, a Special Forces medic, and I was so impressed by this guy. So impressed. I'm like, this is this dude's more squared away than any doctor, any PA, any nurse I've ever met. Like, what's up with it? I want to be like this guy. So he's a Special Forces medic. All right. That's what I want to be. Sounds good. Let's do that. How do we do that? You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know, you know, all these things. And so um, I ended up thriving in the military. And, and I still love it. And, of course, through all this, you, you mature and, and you grow and, and all this. So now, you know, I, I do it very much for patriotic reasons. Very much so. Um, but to start paying off college and trying something new. Was it, was like the schooling very different from when you were learning how to be an EMT versus when you were learning how to be an army medic? Um, some of it was the same, you know, with some anatomy and physiology, that kind of thing, some basic stuff like that. But the biggest difference was combat medic is battlefield trauma medicine, which is vastly different uh, than even being a paramedic or an EMT. Um, EMT paramedic, they're outstanding on the civilian side running a code and all that stuff like you can't their paramedics are where it's at you know starting iv lines and all this stuff outstanding but trauma medicine that's that's the combat medics world um from you know amputate traumatic amputations to um shrapnel wounds gunshot wounds stuff like that that's what we do you know the paramedic is treating heart attacks and and stuff and they treat trauma too obviously obviously they do and they're great at it but it, it is different. It is trauma medicine. Um, and then certainly um, multiply that by 4,000 for a special forces medic. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when did you go to ranger school through all of this? Uh, I think it was in 09, okay. if I'm not mistaken. I was um, at, uh, obviously moved to Fort Benning. I went to ranger school and... It was, man, I'll tell you what, ranger school, I've never learned anything, or how do I say this? I learned so much about myself in ranger school. It was one of the best, worst experiences of my life. Um, 
it was so miserable and so awful. And I went and it was the middle of winter and there are some weird weather phenomenons going on. So it's like 22 degrees and still raining. So you're just, it's just miserable. You know, you don't eat, you don't sleep, you know, and you're freezing cold and you're soaking wet. (laughs) So it's so bad. But, um, I learned so much about myself and perseverance and inner strength and, Again, mind over matter and, and mindset is, is clutch uh, through Ranger School. So much so, in fact, that let's take Leadville 100, which is, an, this is the mother of all 100 milers, I think. And a lot of people think so, too. It's, just, it's, through, the, it's through the Rocky Mountains. It starts in Leadville, Colorado. I think you start out at like 9,500 feet and only goes up from there. So during Leadville, this which I had no business there. I just hopped in on this race, by the way. <laughs> Long story. But, um, like, yeah, I'll do 100 miles. But, uh, and it was awesome. And it was an epic experience. Learned a lot about myself there. But I was like, at least it's not ranger school. I've been hungrier. I've been colder. I've been more tired. And that's kind of, ever since I went to ranger school, that's been my mentality. Things could be so much worse. What did, like, it, what did it, was there an average day in ranger school? Like, could you give me an example of what a day looked like? Um, I guess, yeah, sure. So you're always under a rucksack. Um, and in winter, of course, you know, your rucksack is so heavy. You have to carry extra stuff and we are always soaking wet. So all your extra stuff is soaking wet. So it it just weighed so much and it was so miserable. But, um, so you're always walking, always walking through the forest and this is being very generic, you know, and this is my experience there because after a while, you just, without food and sleep and all this stuff, you, your mind just kind of melts, you know? <laughs> so, um, you're just walking, you know, you're doing patrols all day and they'll switch leadership, you know? So you might be in a leadership position and when you're in leadership position, especially if it's graded, if you're a no-go, you know, you're out. If you're a go, you, so you have to get the go. So you're trying to control these people and lead people. Um, in the worst of conditions, you know, everyone's tired, everyone's hungry, everyone's freezing. Nobody wants to be there. It's, and to get people to continue the mission and succeed in whatever mission it is, is incredibly difficult. So, um, my experience is trying to do that as a leader, trying to get by my own self and not think I'm going to die and try and stay warm and keep moving and complete whatever mission, you know, do the patrol, do an ambush, do a raid, whatever the mission was that day. You're sitting there all night laying in ambush to, you know, waiting to get the enemy and all this. So it's 20, it's, it's like a groundhog's day of walking with a rucksack, doing a mission, whether it be a, uh, like a, a raid or a ambush or something like that. And then rinse, repeat kind of thing. And that's very, being very generic, yeah. but you're just you're just always going and going and going and going. So did you ever like I'm just wondering how you got through that. You know, there I quitting honestly was never an option. It just wasn't and so much so that I think in in times that are that miserable or that trying whether it's ranger school or just, you know, we go through things in life. They're very very challenging. Quitting was just not an option for me. It didn't exist because the minute, and I watched it happen time and time again through ranger school and and life in general and ultra marathons or whatever else. um, The minute you let that thought in, like how nice life would be if this would just stop, Mm. you know, you, you crack. And I watched it happen. Dudes would just crack. They would get that. I don't know if I like this. I might quit. 
if you say you might quit, you're probably going to quit the next day. You're going to quit in the middle of that night when it's so bad and you're freezing, you're on patrol, and you're waiting in an ambush or whatever you're doing. You're going to call it. It's, it's, it's poison. It's cancer. And it'll infect your brain and you'll crack. So it was just never an option. And it got so bad one day, I remember. We were out in our little patrol base and it was 20 degrees raining and we're just miserable it was so bad and we're just in the in the georgia mountains and the night went you know the night transpired i woke up and i swear there were like half the people that were there the night before just so many people quit that night it was unbelievable and I was miserable too. It was terrible. And I remember going back on patrol, starting to walk that morning thinking, I just, just let me break my ankle. I like, cause quitting, like I said, it wasn't an option. Yeah. So like, what am I going to, I want this to be over, but I, I can't imagine quitting. Can't fathom quitting. I'm like something I'm not going to do. So I was like, just please let me break my ankle. Let me just break my ankle. Let me break my hip. Something happened. I just want this to be over. But, um, obviously I didn't. And, um, went straight through ranger school um, because I had the mentality like I don't even I, I have to get the hell out of here as soon as possible so how long was it um so you'll get through in about three months with you know pre-ranger and everything else mm-hmm. um now you can recycle too you know if you get no-goes if you don't pass your patrols as a leader then you if you're lucky you'll get recycled if you're unlucky they just hey you're out of here so it might be longer than than that for some so you did you did really well then if you didn't get recycled I was things. yeah yeah um not a lot of people go straight through ranger school but I will say this I, I'm not sure it's it, to me it's almost like those guys you got the elite runners that can do an ultra marathon in seven hours and then you have those dudes slogging across the finish line 20 hours later mm-hmm. I'm it's cool to go right through ranger school you know but there's something to be said for these guys that recycle and they and they have the wherewithal, like the guts, like the intestinal fortitude oh, yeah. to like, you know what? I'm not going to quit. I'm gonna, I'll do it again. And I'll do it again until I make it. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it is somewhat rare to go straight through, but I can't say it's any more impressive than these guys that are recycling and, and continuing to hang in there. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's, again, it's like I, elite runners are amazing athletes, right? Amazing. And I have so much respect for them, but I also have this massive respect for those, those men and women are slogging through just trying, they just want to finish and they do it, you know? So, yeah, yeah. no, I'm right there with you. There was a, have you heard of Adam Brown? Mm-mm. Really, really good book. It's called fearless. I don't remember who, who wrote it all. Um, I can loan it to you if you'd like. And he went through, Oh my gosh, what's this called? Uh, buds. Okay. Okay. And I think I think that it, he was going through that, and he broke his ankle or something along those lines, like in the <laughs> middle. And I'm gonna royally screw up this story. You know what? This so. is already sounding familiar too. Okay. Yeah, I think I know who you're talking about. But please continue. So he broke his he broke his ankle, and he just like he kept going because he was so focused on what he was doing that that didn't phase him. And then he got out, and there was a ton of blood, and they were like, "You you need to stop." <laughs> um, and then I think he had to get like. He had to take like a medical leave because obviously he was screwed up, but he ended up going back and finishing it because he, he had that mindset. So, I mean, I couldn't agree more. Both are equally impressive absolutely. and amazing. Really. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, 
Okay, so Ranger School. Now, by the time you were done with Ranger School, had you been on any deployments as of yet? Yes. Um, I, think I, I think I had two under my belt at that time. And then, incidentally, as soon after I finished Ranger School, there was talk of like, hey, we're going to make you an RI, which is a Ranger Instructor. And I had no interest in that. I'm like, I'm, I'm a medic. I love being a medic. It's what I do. Like, I'll work in the aid station and in ranger school, like all this. No, no, you're going to be an RI. And it sounded like that's the way it was going to go. It's kind of out of my hands. Mm-hmm. Well, right then I ended up, well, around about there, I ended up deploying. So in retrospect, I'm like, oh, I wish I would have been an RI. You know, I didn't want to back then. It would have been cool looking back. But um, so that was a, another deployment I went on. So that. That one was, I think that was Afghanistan, but yeah, so that, that got me out of being an RI and, um, it also set the stage for becoming a Green Beret because that's when I met, uh, a couple of Green Beret medics and I, I was so impressed by those guys. Like, so yeah, you were just on like a Green Beret, that sounds level. cool. Well, let's try that. <laughs> okay. So what was it about those special forces medics that got you like their head and shoulders above everybody else I want that? Um, their medical knowledge was staggering. And again, it's, it's not that they know more than any doctor, but they, the way they handled it, handled their patients and talked about medicine and treatments and everything was just, I was so flattered or, or excuse me, so impressed by it. Um, and it's too, it's funny too, like coming, you know, like seeing all this ranger stuff and dudes are like gung ho and it's awesome. Like those dudes are some pie pickers, man. I love them. Um, but it's not really my personality. I'm a lot more laid back than that. And I saw these green berets, right? These special forces guys. And they're just so chill and mellow, (laughs) but also like super, um, knowledgeable, you know? And, and so I was like, yeah, that's, that's what I want to do. That sounds cool. You know? And I want to be that. So how did that, how did that happen? I mean, that's, so you... You got, was it when you got back from the deployment that in Afghanistan that you met these guys? Um, it was during, it was right before there was, there was one, um, special forces medic, uh, that I met in, um, Fort Benning, Mm -hmm. uh, super cool dude named Danny is now in a, another top tier organization. Super cool dude. Um, but so yeah, so it was just before and then during the deployment. And then did you, so you got to talk to them and then did you see them in action too? Uh, yeah, got to see them in action a little bit. Now I didn't get to go on mission with them or anything like that, but I, I definitely saw them in, um, like on the base, you know, cause we would come and go, we weren't on the base, um, that often, but when we were, I'd totally go hang out with those guys. And they were very accepting of me because, you know, at the time I was just some conventional army medic, you know, like okay, Ranger qualified this and that, you know, gets you a little street cred, I guess, but, um, very accepting of me, you know, um, good people. And I really appreciate that too. So, so then when you got back, when you got back from Afghanistan, what, like what happened next? Uh, I immediately was, um, I, I went after the green beret thing. So went on to, you know, got everything set up, went to, Selection, Special Forces Assessment and Selection, SFAS. And I I passed, you know, like I got selected. 
And it was really weird. I didn't think it was that bad. I think it went back to ranger school. I'm like, dude, it could get way worse than this. This isn't even bad, you know? I remember there was one day, um, there's a week called Team Week in Selection. And it's just, it's, it's, man, it's pretty brutal. You know, you're doing all these tasks and you're, you're always under a rucksack and stuff like that. Selection is, it's no joke, you know? But I didn't find it crazy hard. I think just because of my experiences yeah. leading up to it, you know? Um, How heavy is a rucksack? Man, I'll tell you, in selection, you're carrying, like, 75 is a safe number, I think. 75 pounds. That's like And then person. sometimes it's it's over 100 because just because of some of the tasks that you have to do. Um, so, you know, if, if your buddy goes down, then you're carrying his rock, and now you're, t- you know, you're talking, you know, 160 pounds, something like that. So it kind of depends, but I think on the average, I think it's something like 75, something like that. Okay. So, so went through selection, got selected, was super, you know, super stoked on that. Um, and I had a small gap before I went to the Q course. So nothing significant in there. Just kind of waited and got my qualification course date, okay. went on to, uh, the Q course, obviously as a medic, I'm like, Nope, 18 Delta. That's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm a Delta through and through like, Again, like I don't, I didn't do special forces to be like the cool green beret guy. Um, I did it literally to be a special forces medic because they were so impressive. Um, so went through the, the Q course, Delta school and all that. And, um, you know, went through just fine. It was awesome. It was a good experience. And, um, so is that when you like, like during the Q course, is that when you learn more about being a medic like or is that still yeah oh I learned a tremendous amount in in the qualification course absolutely Um, I had some great experience going into because I was I had such a pretty deep-rooted history in medicine Um, you know I I was already shadowing prior to even going to this the Q course I was already shadowing PAs and hanging out in clinics and working in clinics and um, because even before uh, I went special forces, in fact, special forces was a big detour for me because I was on the road to be a PA, a physician's assistant. And then I learned about this Green Beret thing. I'm like, wow, that sounds awesome. So I took a hard left and went and went to uh, special forces. So, and then I had great PAs that uh, I worked with and great medics. So I was actually, I was pretty spun up going into the course medically. Um, but I learned a tremendous amount in there. I mean, it's, that training is, is second to none. Absolutely. So that's cool. So then, okay. So then, so now you get through, you get through that and what happens next? Um, so at this time, um, I was just kind of hanging out in North Carolina, working on Fort Bragg, you know, and. I'm just, I guess I'm a green beret now hanging out. Well, at this time, and I also was considering going, um, to a different organization called, you know, known as CAG, you know, it's a just, it's a different, different outfit. And so I was thinking about trying, trying out for that. And I have a, a couple of friends that were on the selection board for that. And they were like, bro, bro, you'll be good. If just try out. You're going to make it. So what's what's the difference? Because I've heard of that before, but what's the... um, it's just different mission set. Um, those guys are top tier dudes, man. Like they they're very impressive guys. You know, not that 
Green Berets or Rangers or conventional army yeah. aren't, but um, they just kind of have a different mission set. Okay. Um, at the same time, I was craving, I was so sick of the South and wasn't enjoying North Carolina that much. And I actually was um, recently divorced at the time, you know, so I was like, I just want to get back out west because I've. Well, always... you got married during all this time. So yeah, yeah. Early on, <laughs> I guess I skimmed right over that part. So, so yeah, I ended up getting married um, around the time I was in uh, AIT. You know, so when I first enlisted, okay. around about that time, maybe a year later, something like that. Um, so yeah, um, and then of course that it didn't end up working. It was great, like it ended on good terms. It just you know, kind of, kind of fell apart, you know, and I was gone a lot too, like deployments and even during the Q course, while you're kind of at home, you're gone a lot, you know? Um, so anyway, so yeah, I was, I was somewhat recently divorced and, um, long story short, trying to make not going on on and on about everything, but I said, I want to go out West and at the time I didn't care where. Colorado, New Mexico. In fact, I wanted to go back to New Mexico. I love that place. Um, Utah, Montana, I don't care where. And it just kind of ended up, um, my first team sergeant ended up calling me. And he's like, all right, do you want to be a part of the mountain team here in um, 19th group in Salt Lake City? 19th Special Force group in Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City. And yes, yes, that would be great. And... Here, I'll come out there. I said, do you, want, do you need me to live in Salt Lake City? He's like, well, ideally, yes. Okay. I will get a moving truck this week. And <laughs> there it was. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So what year are we in now? Um, let's see. I got here. I got here to Salt Lake City in 2015, I believe. Okay. And then what, okay, so you moved to Salt Lake City, and then I interrupted you asking about um, the whole, like, when you got married thing. Um, what, what happened with CAG? Like, how does that all tie in? Oh, I just, I kind of turned my back on it. Okay. Yeah, I was like, no, I was, I was pretty, feeling pretty burned out at the time, you know. Um, and I just, I just wanted to just get out of there. So, you know, I, I felt confident that it would have been fine, like, you know, and, you know, like my buddies that were on the selection board, like, bro, do it, I'm telling you. But I just decided against it, you know, so, um, and, and I'm, to- I'm still fine with it. You know, I love it out here. You oh, know, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's good to be to. back west, man. It really is. So then, okay, so now, now you're living in Salt Lake and what's, when did, when did you start Rescue Reflex? When, what year did that start? Um, I've be been skipping things. No, it's fine. Um, obviously, I've been bouncing around this whole time, so that's not a problem. Um, I started Rescue Reflex in twin, like right at the beginning of twenty eighteen. Right at the beginning? No, no, it must have been twenty seventeen. Must okay. have been twenty seventeen. So we still have a couple of years before that happens. Yeah. So yeah. then, what's like? What happens once you move to Salt Lake and you're on this? You're on a new team, right? Yeah. Okay. So I was on this team, and it was cool. And and the the organization I'm in right now, and the company I am in they seem to be constantly, um, morphing, you know, for better or for worse, you know, so the teams kind of change fairly often in this. So, um, and then, you know, different teams deploy here and, 
and some people have long deployments and maybe some are what are called J sets, which are, you know, four to six weeks, you know, shorter, um, like joint training exercises kind of thing overseas and stuff like that. So kind of bounced around doing those, you know, a trip here, a trip there, um, covered for some other medics and on different teams, you know, so got in some, um, traveling with different teams, you know, going on different trips with different teams. Um, and that, uh, and then finally now I, I'm, I feel pretty permanent, um, on, on my current team, my current ODA, which I'm, I'm super thrilled about. So it feels permanent now. So Good. let's, let's hope it stays that way. So wait, how many deployments have you been on as of now? Um, so I've had on the conventional side, obviously the tours are very long. Um, so I would have to look actual days in combat, but so three, three long combat tours. And then of course, you know, like the shorter trips, um, you know, I don't really count those as like full combat deployments or anything. So, so your three tours, when you say long, does that mean like a year, nine yeah. months? Okay. And w- may I ask where you went? Um, all over, all over the Middle East. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, well not all over, but <laughs> in, in a bunch of places. You know, um, some theaters are bigger than others, but, um, so, but yeah, that was a really good experience. And, um, and even on top of that though, too, like going to some other countries like Africa and different things like that has been wonderful, you know, like, oh wow, like deploying to this country or going on a, a trip to whatever country with an ODA or my ODA has been a tremendous experience for me. I, I've been really enjoying it. Do you have any particular experience that like, I don't know, that really stands out like one that kind of exemplifies this is, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. This is, this is why I love it so much. Um, I haven't really given it pinpoint thought like that. I, I absolutely love being on a team. I love being the medic on the team even more so if that makes any sense. Um, I work with an outstanding group of guys now more than ever on the team I'm at or a team I'm on now. Um, I love serving my country. I'm, I'm absolutely in love with serving my country. Um, I, so much so I can't, even when things get so frustrating at work with army work, I can't imagine turning my back on it. So I will serve in some capacity for as long as I can. So that keeps me going. Um, my pride in, in serving country. Um, I like the adventure of it. I like the challenge of it. Again, even even now, there's always another school to go to. There's another level. You know, you always level up. You know, so that's what keeps me going through this, definitely. And then you just it you kind of seem fearless. Like it's like there is no challenge that's too big. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. If fearless is the word, but I just I feel like I just work through the fear. You know. Um, more than, because I feel feared, I think, probably just as much as anyone else. I just don't think I'd let it affect me as much. How? How, how do I go about that? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's It goes back to being a little kid, like when I was in the hospital and checking out when they were doing all these painful procedures on me and stuff. It I Or it's like an ultra marathon or something. You just take control of the situation mentally and you just work through it. I, it's very difficult for me to explain. Um, Let me ask it a slightly different way. Um, 
Do you remember a time on a deployment when, when things got intense and you got afraid? Um, yeah, there have been a few times where, you know, things get real, real quick, you know? So, but I've never, I, I don't, I definitely experience fear, but I don't know that I experience fear. Like I don't dwell on, I don't let it get the best of me, you know? And I, I think it just happens naturally. I think I've been doing it so long and having that mentality for so long, it, it happens naturally, whether that's signing up for something new. Cause things scare me. Like just signing up for events I've never done. Um, you know, okay, so I'm, I'm dating, uh, or well, my partner is Jen Comas, right? And she does all this athletic stuff to include, she'll do like pole sport and what's called Lyra. You, you know, it's like acrobats with hoops, acrobatics with hoops and all this stuff. And so going into like a pole class and doing Lyra was so scary for me because it was so foreign to me and like, should I be embarrassed to be doing this, you know? And so that stuff is tremendously scary to me, but you know, signing up and, and competing in like a, an Ironman or a ultra marathon or going to combat, like it doesn't feel the same. It doesn't feel as scary to me. You know, that actually makes sense because you've been through so much training and you're, you've gone through such like high levels of training that no matter how intense the situation gets, like, you're like, you're prepared for it. You have the tools to do what you need to do. Yeah, definitely. That's a huge part of it. And that's something that I preach to everyone is just general preparedness, you know, and, and that's everything from, you know, of course, running medical classes and trauma classes, like being prepared, knowing what to do in a traumatic situation or emergency situation to survival and, and being prepared in a survival situation, but also just preparing yourself mentally always be you know, practice resilience and I think we can do that by stepping outside our comfort zone constantly again and again and again because obviously the more you step outside your comfort zone the more that comfort zone expands and so now because you do that so often something that was scary at one point simply just isn't scary anymore so so with that um it's not that I'm, I don't experience fear. Obviously I do and I do get scared, but I think I'm so good at just burying it and dealing, just working on the task at hand. You know, folk, this is what I have to do right now. I don't have time. I don't have the energy to be scared right now. I have to focus on whatever it is in front of me, whether it's a combat situation or a, an athletic event or anything like that. You know, heck, life stuff, man, right? Like. Life is so hard sometimes in general. So, you know, you have to have that mentality just to get through a day sometimes, I think, you know. Um, and I think so many people have a hard time, you know, with certain situations in their life because they don't, they, they focus so much on the fear and the what ifs and you just, you just can't do that. You can't do that. You have, what's my goal? Okay, what do I need to do to get there? And, and go and not accept and not dwell on anything. What, what if, you know? Yeah. You get you down know. the what if train and you're just, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's a total rabbit hole. So I think if you're going to do what if, I think you should just flip the script, you know, like, Oh, what if I don't make it? Or what if I fail? How about 
what if I do make it? What if I actually do this? Or what if I don't try and 20 years from now I look back and, and I'm just so depressed because like that's something I always want to do and you know what? I never tried it. I was too yeah. scared. Or, you know, even in like relationships, you know, um, I'm too scared to maybe express my true feelings for this person and you lose that person or, you know, and so what if you don't do it? You know, I think that's far worse than, you know, oh, what if I fail or what you might, you totally might. Well, that's, I mean, that's what happened with this podcast. Like I, I was working on this for a long while before I actually put something out and eventually and I had help with this. A lot of that goes to Parker and the other piece of that goes to, to Mike. But it was just like, it was kind of like a screw it. Like, just like, what happens if it sucks? What happens if nobody likes it? Oh, like, okay. Like, you'll you'll get better. And eventually, <laughs> some, like, somebody might like it. Like, do you Absolutely. like it? Okay, then great. Like, keep going. 100%. 100%. But, I mean, the worst thing that can happen is that you don't do it or you fail. And then you figure out another way to do it better. Like, there's no... Yeah. It's really I mean, exactly it's, what you're saying. The worst thing you can do is not try at all. Absolutely. The worst thing you can do. Um, you know, doubt is the most subtle, nasty disease of the human race. Doubt is just, like I said, it's so subtle and it sneaks in on you and you just absolutely, you have to rise above. Hmm. Absolutely have to rise above every time. So I'm assuming... A lot of what you just said is what made you decide to start your company. Yeah, that's still ongoing. That's scary as heck. I'll tell you what, that's one of the scariest things I've done. Really? Yeah, it's just, I don't, because here's the deal. I don't know anything about business. You know, all I, I know a lot about medicine. I know a lot about interacting with people, um, etc. But I don't know much about business. I don't know how to go about it. I'm still very new to social media, you know? And so all this stuff, that was scary as hell to me. It was terrifying. Like, I don't know what to do. What do I do? I'm always going to, to Jen, like, Hey, how do I do this? How do I do this? Cause she's got a lot more experience with that stuff. So that was terrifying starting my own business. And what if it's lame? What if my peers think I'm lame? You know, like there's some really cool dudes out there. Um, like Johnny Primo, he's a buddy of mine and the guys at Fieldcraft, like, you look at them and they're like, oh man, you know, like they, they appear to have their stuff together and, and they do, you know, they're awesome. But you know, I'm like, what if they judge me? What if I'm doing is what, you know, what if it's lame or, mm -hmm. you know, I'm very confident in what I do, but there's that fear. Like what, what if I'm putting on a lame class mm -hmm. or what if this isn't good information or what if it's, what if, what if, what if, exactly. so it is scary. Yeah. It is scary. But what made you, I mean, is it the mindset that we've been talking about that made you just take, take the plunge and do it? Or like, how did you get to the point of like saying, screw it for rescue reflex? I'll mm -hmm. tell you exactly what it was coming here and being kind of out of uh, my little Fort Bragg military bubble. I started realizing really quickly that people and, and it's not their fault, but people have no idea what to do in an emergency situation. Um, whether it's a survival situation, an urban survival situation, an active shooter situation, a car crash, anything traumatic, any, in an emergency. People really, they don't know what to do. They, they don't even know how to stop a, a, a bleed, you know? And 
it was staggering. I couldn't believe it. Like, and I kept hearing all the time, like, I'm so glad you're here because I wouldn't know what to do. And I said, that's not acceptable. You know, that's, that's absolutely not acceptable. And everybody needs to, I don't, I can't be there all the time. I don't, you know, that's, I'm just one person. And furthermore, I want you to know what to do. Like, you be the hero. You know what to do. You be the person that makes things happen, you know? Like, and, and that's what started it, is between that and all these, um, unfortunately, like all these active shooter incidents going down, I was, I was absolutely compelled, I have to do something about this. I have to do something. Like, I've got the skill set. I'm good with people. I, I, it's, it's my obligation to, to try and do something, try and help. And that's how it was born, actually. That's exactly how it was born. Love that. I've heard some really good. I mean, from from the what is it, the T Triple C course yep. that you that you yep. taught. I mean, I've just heard so so many good things about it. And you're doing the canine course too. Yes. So I'm super stoked about. Yeah, I I do I do several. You know, everything from you know your American Heart Associ- uh, Association, CPR, AED, um, basic lifesaver, all that. Um, and then the TCCC. So I went, I went through and got my instructor cert for all these things, you know, because I can do it all day long, but on the civilian side, you need these certifications or certainly should at least have them. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then of course that allows me to give people their CPR certificates or their TCCC provider certificates. So I went through and jumped through all the hoops and, and made sure I was super legit, you know, Again, anyone can jump jump in and, and teach a course, but you know I wanted to be legit. So um, so that's so I I do canine because I've got a vast amount of experience with not only canine but animals in general because it's part of the eighteen delta scope of practice, right? Um, that's so cool. Yeah. Well, you think about it. You know, when we go to some of these smaller countries, their livestock is their livelihood. So if we can go in and I can fix their sick animal, which is their livelihood, we're in. Like these guys are cool, they help us out. And so absolutely. And then furthermore, like we depend on animals for a lot of things. Not only like canines, but you know, we have pack animals, we do we do all kinds of stuff with animals. So we have to keep them healthy, it builds rapport, etc. So it's it's a big part of what we do. Um, so yeah, I do canine classes, CPR, I do trauma classes, I do custom classes. Um, I had a company reach out that they wanted, uh, like, um, a custom course for their construction company, you know? And so I was like, all right, well, what are you looking for? And what they were trying to do is reduce their workers comp, Mm -hmm. like costs in the long run. That's really what they were doing. So I was like, all right, well, let's take your top 10 work related um, injuries and let's have a class on those, how to treat those, you know? So, so I do custom stuff and, um, and then you also do like stuff in preparation for like other special operation things. So like buds and things like that, right? Yes. Is um, that the right way to say that? Like special, because special forces is related to the army, but special operations. Yes. Special operations is the big umbrella, which covers all the branches. Special forces actually is under the army umbrella. Okay. Um, common, not so much misconception, but like people just kind of don't know, like it's special operations, same thing as special forces, same thing as Rangers, Navy SEAL. So, but yes, all those fall under the special operations um, umbrella. I started 
putting out and helping people, putting out training programs and helping people get through like CAG selection and special forces selection and ranger school and even like shorter schools like air assault school and airborne school. And I was doing this so often, um, I was just like, wow, I, I guess I'll kind of take it online. And I started doing it online and putting it out there like, hey, you know, I'll help you with any athletic program you want, any strength and conditioning, any fitness program, and happy to do that. But I specialize in military schools. So I've designed programs for BUDS, CAG, Special Forces, Ranger. How, how did you design a, a program for Ranger School? So that was like the mother love. Yeah, it really was. So it, I take, like, let's say I have a client and they're like, I want you to get me through Ranger School. Ranger school. Mm-hmm. No problem. I take, it's a mix of everything I did to, pre- to prepare. And I take that person's information. Hey, I need to work on pull-ups or I need, I'm really slow. I need to work on run. So I take everything they're good at, everything they suck at everything that I know in my experience and I'm, and I put it into a, like a strength and conditioning program for them. It's, it's very, very customized to that person. So I could design a program for one person and that it's an awesome program, phenomenal program, but it it might not work for somebody else Mm -hmm. because that is legit for that individual, um, very specifically. And I have yet to fail. Which is cool. It makes me feel good. That's awesome. That should. Yeah, I get I get a lot of feedback, and I have I have yet to see see that go south. Good, good. So hopefully, Ranger School will not be as hard for anybody else that you train. As That's it just was it. For That's you. my whole goal. Yeah. Like to make it not that bad for that person. Yeah. Like, hey, I, it's on you at the end of the day, but I will, I will help you get through that one hundred percent. But they're the one doing the work. They're the freaking hero, man. Not me. I just kind of be like, hey, do these things. You know, I'll probably help you out. <laughs> So how do people find out about Rescue Reflex? So rescuereflexmedicaltraining.com, really long, I know, but um, so that's the website. Um, I've got rescue, at Rescue Reflex is my IG handle, Instagram handle, and then I also have a 18 series athlete Instagram handle. And all these are on Facebook as well. Admittedly, I am not the best at upkeep of Instagram and Facebook and the website. Like I, I, I keep it current, but I, I lack in, in, I suck at social media. You know what I mean? I just, I find, I struggle with it. I really struggle with social media and I don't know if it's just ingrained in me, like, you know, the quiet professional is what they say about special forces, you know? And so I really, really struggle with social media. Um, but I'm trying. <laughs> no, I, I understand that from a from a different perspective. Um, it just, it's great, and I also really don't like it at the same time. I'm just like, can I just like put out, can I put out good material, and like, can can that can that be it, and without all of all of the advertising? Yeah, yeah, and I'm actually I should mention I'm a huge fan of your work. Like as soon as we started talking, of course, with Parker. I was, started, I was like, oh, man, this is awesome. So it's very impressive, by the way. So good for you. I'm super stoked that you're doing this. I'm honored to be here. That means a lot. Absolutely. It's true, honestly. Well, I, I feel the same way. And I should really wrap this up because that's like the perfect segue to be like, okay, and thank you for being here and all of that. But I, I have to ask these two questions. Sure. Send um, it. Okay. So um, 
in regards to in regards to your service dog when when did that happen why did that happen how did she help you yeti yeah so yeti and i are the best of friends so i've had yeti um since she was like nine or ten weeks a family's trying to get rid of her and obviously i said i'll take her um it was a family they didn't they've never had a dog before and they're like oh we'll get one for the kids the kids didn't take care of it so they just ditched it right away they didn't want it anymore so i jumped on that um, I was looking for a puppy at the time. I've always owned labs. Um, this will be my fourth. Um, so raised her and trained her. She's an outstanding dog. And then I met some fo- folks through the wonderful outfit. And I'll do the shameless plug for these. I like Labs for Liberty is the best thing going. I'm, I'm planning on doing a fundraiser for them coming up and all this huge fan the can biggest fan. I just fan. tell you guys it's not you can now hear that it's not just me saying this. It is the, <laughs> it's the best thing going I am the number one fan for Labs for Liberty I encourage everyone out there listening to to look into it um, they provide service dogs for special operations veterans um, so I started talking to and linking up and getting to know some people from Labs for Liberty and it just Joan um, who you know very well from Labs for Liberty, mentioned, well, we should take Yeti and, and get her her service dog certification. And so I said, absolutely. And then I was like, wait a minute, are you going to take her? I'll miss her. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, but it's fine, and, and she's, she's doing very, very well from what I understand. I get to oh, see her yeah. every now and again. Um, but, you know, I met Joan and brought Yeti with me, and Joan was like, oh, man, she's, she's three-fourths of the way there already. So, so that's kind of how that took off. And, and I, I never felt like I really needed a service dog. Right. But I will say this from her training and starting to notice a lot of things it actually really does work for certain things like anxiety and stuff like that. I don't, I don't have some of the problems that a, a lot of soldiers do for whatever reason. I think people handle things differently. I don't, I don't have a lot of PTSD or anxiety issues and stuff like that. I have a lot of friends that do, but I don't know the reason for that, but I just don't seem to. But I will say I do have, I do suffer from a little bit of anxiety with certain things. Didn't even really realize realize it so much as now that I'm with Yeti and she's doing her service dog thing. Like she's literally has my six o'clock. She'll post and look the other way and, and do certain things that it really is comforting to have that animal there with me. You know, just having my best friend that's li- literally looking out for me. Um, it's nice. It's really nice. So, yeah. so that's how that came to be. And I she's still in training now. So she's doing so good. I saw her. I was I was telling Billy earlier. I saw her at um, at one of our classes last week, and she's just she's killing it. She's doing. So, I'm so doing glad so to hear good. that. Yeah, I, I get pictures every now and again. I think it was last night she took in a jazz game, Utah jazz game. So I was like. You know, my dog's going to like <laughs> pro event, you know, up. pro basketball games and she's she's going to the, doing all kinds of cool stuff. So our whole goal with with these dogs is to expose them to absolutely every situation we can think of so that when they when they go back to their veteran, like nothing faces them. They can be in the the calm in the eye of, of any storm. Absolutely. Um so hence the jazz games and then I mean the zoo, aside from the aviaries, which we're not allowed from <laughs> too, but, um, and then, okay, so my, my final question is, um, how is it for you to, I mean, you're not a civilian, 
but you like your how do I explain it how, like you're you're still on a team like you're still special forces you're still special forces medic but you also like have a life outside of that yeah um I'm definitely I'm, I'm definitely a part civilian I guess <laughs> you could say for sure absolutely um you know it's not the the full-time experience as it as it maybe has been in the past um so it's it's a lot to juggle honestly you know because you you it's almost two different lives you've got your civilian life and we'll take just anyone in in the 19th group for example you know we have full-on careers and then we have the army right which is this um huge undertaking and it should be it's very very important so it can be very difficult to juggle sometimes um, I'm happy to do it and I enjoy it, but it, it does take some work. It takes some finagling, you know, for example, um, I was about to start PA school, but we have a, a trip coming up. So now I'm like, well, I guess that's going to be put on pause, which is fine. Happy to go. Um, thrilled to go actually, but it's a, it's a juggle, you know, it's an absolute juggle to try and do a career and or school plus military, um, yeah, plus so being in a relationship and having being, a dog oh, yeah. and, and, like, and life, yeah, right? Exactly. You have life going on, like a relationship, a dog, school, work, going going to have fun, right? Oh, like God. I just I want to go out of town. I want to go to Moab for the weekend or whatever, you know. Like so, <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot to juggle, but um, yeah, you can really you can make it what you want, you know. Absolutely. And I choose to make it like a big part of my life. So, and going to PA school, I mean, you were. I mean, I told you I was talking to Joan about you the other day, and you really are as passionate, as she said, about about medicine, about what you do. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's like one of the big feedbacks I get from my courses is, you know, when people are doing their critiques or when they come up to me, like, I can, you're so, um, like, eager to teach. Like, your enthusiasm just is so blatant. And it's great to hear, but... It's, it's not, I'm not sitting there trying to be enthusiastic. It's just, I just love it. I really, really love it. I love teaching. I love medicine. So I think it's just natural that I probably do look in, overly enthusiastic. This is awesome, but I'm like totally <laughs> sincere, you know? So, so that's always good to hear. And I am, I'm tremendously passionate about it. It's good. It's really good. And it's really like just genuinely obvious. And I love that. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. Thank you. <laughs> I really can't thank you enough for, for doing this and also for like doing this canine course with Labs for Liberty. I'm so looking forward to that. I just, same. Uh, same. I think incredibly highly of you and all of the work that you do. And it's just, um, it's really an honor. So thank you. Thank you so much. It's an honor for me to be here. I appreciate you.